0: Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. We're in week one of a new series, a new season. I'm not sure what this is going to be. I know that there's going to be a week two, but I can't tell you how much farther we're going to go after that. And so talking about change, don't tune me out just yet because I'm going to go in depth to explain what this really is. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter two today. If you want to grab your Bibles and your notebooks, get up on the edge of your seat, find a table, find something you can write with, and uh, always make sure you got that beverage of choice. I'm drinking some coffee today. And so today's more of a family talk. This is the week after Easter. And so, uh, man, we were fortunate, so very uh, thrilled to see over 3,000 people engage with an online message with us last weekend through Easter Sunday resurrection Sunday it was amazing we saw engagement up over 50 percent uh, a large part of that is due to the fact that we <laughs> we streamed one service every hour on the air hour and did 23 total services last weekend and so if you shared or invited somebody to church last weekend invited them to watch online or sent them the link thank you way to go that's what that's what we're about right now with in our in our current circumstance and so Uh, What that means is uh, this week, everybody who went to church last week has that that box checked and they went to church last week. So the people who return the week after Easter service tend to be our core people, tend to be those who are ready to go a little bit further, take another step. And so that's why today is going to be more of a family talk. And so you're going to be challenged today. Like I said, we're talking about change. And uh, what everybody knows is this, nobody likes change. Nobody likes change. And I just want to say, (laughs) pull out the old false stamp and say, false. Everybody likes change. Everybody likes change. Um, The reality is is nobody likes change unless they get to choose the change. Everybody loves change. We change our hair. We change um, our nails. We change our uh, attire, our clothes, our cars, our houses. Uh, We change the way that we talk, the way that we dress. We change our profile. We Um, We update, we um, accessorize. We love change. We love change. We just don't like being changed. And we definitely don't like when people try to change us. And so voluntary change is always welcome because it happens on our timetable. And we call it improvement. I'm just going to make this a little bit better. And that's what we call change when, when it happens on our table and we choose it. Right? Now involuntary change its never welcome. We hate it. And we call it change, not changing. Why are we changing that? Don't fit. Don't change that. Don't fix that. Don't move that. Don't, 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 don't. And involuntary change typically happens very randomly, right? And sometimes it can be tragic, which is, which is horrific. And, and if you've been through that type of change, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you today, but nearly every time involuntary change brings you to a crossroads. It brings you to a crossroads where you have to choose this, or this, I cannot have this anymore. So because this is over, I've got to choose here or here. And nobody likes that because it's being forced. It's being forced upon them. And the truth is a lot of people look at their spiritual life, like involuntary change when I'm good and ready. Uh, when I have time on my timetable, okay. I'll change, when I, I'll change when I'm will change when i good and ready. And what I want you to know today is God is not asking you to change. Last weekend, how we're moving forward from Resurrection Sunday, God is not asking you to change. He's asking for your heart. We identified this as a heart issue last weekend. And if you're here today and you missed last Easter, I'm not sure how you missed it <laughs> because it was on. Um, but if you missed it, you need to go back and catch it because it's a good... It's a good prequel to today's message, and so, and and the reality is this: it's it's God's not asking you to change. God's asking for your heart. God's asking for a relationship. That's why He sent Jesus. Adam and Eve broke their relationship, broke our fellowship. Right? We're out of the will of God. God sends Jesus. Jesus comes, lives perfect life, um, dies perfect for the restoration, for the atonement of our sins, and for the restoration of our relationship and our fellowship with God. God wants your heart. God wants relationship with you. And so the reality of this is because when God um, calls you, he calls you. There is no like, oh, I'm not sure, could be, probably, well, a couple coincidences here. When he calls you, he calls you. And when God changes you, God changes you. It's It's on him and it happens through his spirit. It's nothing that we do. And so Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 says that you have an invitation waiting on you. It says you have an invitation waiting on you, and you're going to see this on the screen below. And what you see in this invitation, this is an invitation to a relationship. This invitation was given with great sacrifice and with great intention, which requires heart. It requires heart, which requires heart change. And so what you see in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, it says just as In His love, out of the Amplified Bible today. God's doing something to the Amplified right now, which is pretty amazing. Just as in His love, He chose us in Christ, actually selected us, actually selected you for Himself as His own, before the foundation of the world, so that we would be holy, that is, consecrated, set apart for Him, purpose-driven. Purpose-driven. We're going to talk more about that in just a second. And blameless in His sight, in love, He predestined and lovingly planned for, for you, to be adopted to himself as his own child through Jesus Christ in accordance with the kind intention and good pleasure of his will. And so this morning, if, if you've not experienced that change, there's two things. And if you are taking notes, you can write these down. And I'm not being ugly, so just hang with me. If you've not experienced this change in your life, you're either ignoring it or you are ignorant of it. That's it. And, and when I say ignorant, this is not a slam because, because I'm ignorant of a lot right now. Okay. Uh, still learning, still learning, and we'll never have it all figured out. And so I think we all have a certain sense of ignorance, a certain level of ignorance to us. Ignorant meaning this lacking knowledge, information, or awareness about it, lacking knowledge, information, or awareness about it. And so then here's the deal. We all know that it's better to conceal our knowledge than to reveal our ignorance. And so what do we do? We keep it real close to our chest. Things we don't know, we don't talk about. We're afraid to talk about. We're afraid to have a conversation about. Not sure. I'm not well versed in that. And so, uh, no, I'm not coming to that party. Not going to be at that get together. Not going to, um, not going to, can't do it. I'm busy. I have other things to do. Uh, Yeah all those things, right? Because we, we conceal, we conceal. And so our ignorance, our ignorance in this relationship with God, in this heart change, our ignorance in that is what makes being a disciple hard. It is tough for iron to sharpen iron if we're not willing to reveal where we are. It takes being available. It takes being willing to share and so, in that, you cannot fake discipleship. You cannot fake following Jesus. You can't. And so, Ephesians 4:18 on the topic of ignorance says, "They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from life, from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of their heart. Darkened in your understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance." Due to the hardness of heart, there's not been a heart change. It's control. We're we're clinging and grasping to what we know, to what we know, and what the apostle Paul is saying here is those people, either before or now, have become callous and have given themselves to the sens- to sensuality, to what they feel, right, to what they know, uh, greedy and become greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And, and for some of us, that's not intentional. We just don't know. We just lack the understanding. And what he's saying is they fail to change. They continue to cling to physical desire and what they have. And that is what brings them peace. Me and Wyatt were talking about this earlier. When everything seems to fall right into place, your need for God is not as great because it's all well. But man, when things are out of whack, God, where are you? Thought you were with me. Thought thought you had my back. I thought you. I thought you said this, and we can pull all the promises of God out that we want to. But the reality is, is we're at a, we're we're kind of at a, um, at a disadvantage when our life is in order. When things, when the physical things are set in place, when all the physical things look good and feel good, it puts us at a disadvantage with God because we don't need Him. Well I, I'm God. I've got it all figured out, and so I don't need anymore. So what I hope you take away from today's message is that change is not a dirty word. Change is not negative. Change takes self-sacrifice, and it takes shelving just a little bit of pride. Just a little bit of pride. It takes opening your hands a little bit. So what is change? Let's identify, let's identify that. And so I've got a good, real good, funny story for you. Um, change is better right? We say, well, we'd like for it to be better. Or we want that to be different. We want that to be different. If that could just be different, what are you saying? Change? Improvement. It's just improvement. This is how we churched up the word change in church, right? We don't want to make anybody mad. We have a lot of stuff we need to change. What are we going to say? Hey, I tell you what we're going to do, guys. We're just going to improve this. And so right now, if you want leadership 101, if you don't want to make those who are following you, working for you, serving underneath you upset, don't say change. Just delete it from your vocabulary and call it improvement. We're just going to improve this. And that's how we church it up. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, that just needs improvement. We just need to improve that, improve it, right? Modify, transform, a little variation. We just need another variation of that. That needs modified. That needs modified. Oh yeah, we're just going to exchange that. We're going to trade this one for that one. We're going to exchange it. Or better yet, we're just going to replace it, right? And I only know one way to be, and that's honest. And I'm just going to call all of this what it really is. It's change. It's all change. And I can church up any of these words and make them sound really cool and get you to buy in and make you like it because it's not the word, the big C word, change. We all love change. We don't like it when people try to change us. God's not trying to change you. He doesn't want to change you. Matter of fact, He made you the way you are for a reason. God doesn't want to change you. He just wants your heart. He wants relationship with you. And so to understand change in you, you have to know that change is not physical. Change in you is not physical. It's not materialistic. It's not a status. It's not a location. It's not a position. Change in you is not physical, and it's not something you accomplish. It's not a... Uh, If and when I get, I will be, or if and when I do, I will go, or if and when I do, I will believe. It's not that. Changing you is not a physical accomplishment. It's not a task completed. It is spiritual development. It's spiritual growth. It's depth in your relationship with God. With God, everything is about depth. It's not about width who cares about width well more we care about width in in american culture because wider is more it it it's a great image we have more wider it's not width it's depth it's depth in your relationship with god why what are you saying it says it in colossians 3:3 3, 3, for you died and your new and your <laughs> and your life is now hidden with christ people see it like oh no now i now i can't even be who i am no 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 What that means is now you're covered with the blood of Jesus. For you died in your new life because you have salvation. Through your faith, you are saved and you are covered with the blood of Christ. It's what that means. And so to understand who you are, you must understand who you were. To understand who you are as a believer, you must understand who you were as an unbeliever. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, if you've got Ephesians 2 open, here we go. I'm in the amplified. Among these unbelievers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our sinful by our sinful self. Sinful self. Indulging the desires of human nature without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of the sinful mind. We were by nature children under the sentence of God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. You were a child of wrath but you died and are now hidden in Christ. You were. This is who you were. Ephesians 2, 3 lays it out very plainly for you. What's he saying? He's saying when we focus on what others think of us, external appearance, image, possession, tradition, status, position, when we focus on the physical, what you might have, what you have might look good. What you have might look good but it is empty. It is fake, and it is shallow, and that's our human nature. This is what Ephesians 2.3 is saying. It's the world we live in, and, so, and, and unless you're thinking clearly, you're going to become a product of the world. Unless you're connected spiritually, unless, unless you have the heart of God, unless you're seeking God's will for your life, unless you are connected to God spiritually, it's easy to get lost in this. Well, more, wider, more, show, image, tradition, possession, status, look at me, look at me, Instagram, Facebook, look, look, look how great I am. And that's all empty and it's all fake. Here's the example. We all have acquaintances, people that we know. Uh, We all have parties that we go to or get togethers. They're starting to come back around here uh, where we live. And We go to these these functions, and we see people, and we talk to people, and we talk about the weather, and we talk about sports, and we talk about what our kids are doing, and we talk about government, and we talk about about everything, and it's great, and it's great, but we go home alone. We go home alone, disconnected, with no depth in the relationship, because we treat those acquaintances like transactions. Well, I know him and I only talk to him if I need this, right? And the reality is, is we give bare minimum to get through the moment. Just give the bare minimum to get through that moment with that person. And we only give what's given to us. Well, I'm not going to take this deeper than it really needs to be. Let's just stay surfacy, stay shallow. Let's just get through this. We call it small talk, right? And the reality is for most Christians, this is similar to their relationship with God. Servicey, external, picture my Bible, right? Uh, sh- show you or share you a verse and let you know how great I'm doing with the Lord. And the reality is, is God's not looking for that. And the reality in all of this with connection, with connection is we can't feel the lack of connection and relationship with fake conversations, with possessions, with status, with where we park our boat. You cannot feel your lack of connection and your lack of relationship with these things. And you definitely (laughs) cannot feel disconnection by valuing and loving a pet more than you love people. God sent Jesus for the human race. There's nothing more valuable in heaven than people. You also cannot feel a lack of connection to God with more knowledge of him. I'm not going to feel my lack of connection to God, my lack of relationship with God, my lack of fellowship with God. I'm not going to feel that by knowing more about him ever. You can study the Bible every day, all day, and you can memorize and you can attain all the knowledge that you want. You can do all of that, but your heart will will still wrestle Your heart will wrestle until you find your hope in God. It's always going to. And that's that empty. That's that drive. That's that, "Ah, Just if I could just keep going. God says you have enough when you have me. Your heart will wrestle until you find your hope in God, until you connect spiritually. The truth is God's not impressed (laughs) by what all you know about him. He's not looking, going, how much you know? No, you're not there yet. Because the Bible tells us that we'll never understand him. His ways are higher. He thinks differently. He operates in a different realm. We're not going to understand. So all that you know, that's great that you know it. Okay, but he's not looking for that. He's not looking for what you know about him. He's waiting on you to know him, to know him. That's personally. There's a big difference between your knowledge of God and knowing God. There's a big difference between your knowledge of God and your knowing God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When you get wrapped up in knowing, you're deceived and you think very, very differently. When you get wrapped up in knowing, doing, right? You're deceived. You think differently. You're driven by something else. You're driven by something physical. And you believe because the world we live in, in Western culture, just do. Just do more. And so we get wrapped up in doing and knowing. And it deceives us. And so then we build the the mountain a little bit higher. And it causes us to think differently. This is 2 Thessalonians 2.10. That by unlimited seduction to evil, with all the deception of wickedness for those who are perishing, for those who are perishing because they're busy doing and working to gain more knowledge because they did not welcome the love of the truth of the gospel. So as to be saved, they were spiritually blind, not physically blind. I don't believe anybody is physically blind unless you are born that way or a medical condition. Okay. doesn't say that they were spiritually blind. You're three parts whole spirit, soul, body. You are spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Love to grind physically. We love to go, go, go physically. They were spiritually blind and rejected the truth that would have saved them. This is the issue. If you're taking notes, a few questions for you today. Is where you are enough right now with your faith? Is where you are enough? What you know with your relationship to God, how you follow. Is it enough? Is that your truth or is that the truth? What's the difference between knowing what a disciple is and being a disciple? Are you okay with that? Now, it's important to know that once you accept the gift of Jesus, once heart change occurs, Once heart change occurs in you, you do not start from a place of condemnation. Everything previous is where you were. Unless you don't have Christ, that's where you are. Okay? Now, it's important to know that you don't start from a place of condemnation. When you see that your life is now hidden in Christ, you are now covered by the blood. You now walk righteous. Romans 8.1.2 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation, which means no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior, for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, which is in Jesus Christ, the law of our new beginning, uh, sorry, our new being, the law of our new being hidden in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. What's he saying? Colossians three, 3. you're dead, now you're alive. Your life is hidden in me. I've covered you with the blood. You now have my spirit, right? But not only is this Romans 8, 1 and 2, you also now have the spirit of God in you because you've received the gift of salvation by asking or accepting Jesus into your heart. And that's the first step. That's the first step to heart change. It's not the final step. A lot of people think, well, once I do that, finished. That's it. That's the first step to an ever-growing, ongoing relationship with God. That's why Jesus came. And so in this first step, you find grace. You find a lot of grace. It's Ephesians 2, 8, if you're still in Ephesians with me. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ. Come on. That you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment, and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the gift, undeserved, gracious gift of God. And what I want you to see is this. We're going to kind of break down Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 very briefly. We're wrapping up. Verse 1 in Ephesians. If you're there, you can follow along. Highlight your Bible here if you'd like. These scriptures will be on the bottom of the screen. Ephesians 1 says you were separated from God before Jesus, before Jesus. So then this is what that means. If you don't have Christ, you're still separated. Just because Jesus died and the New Testament has been written does not mean that you are grandfathered in. It's Romans ten nine. You must confess with your mouth and believe, right, that Jesus Christ died and rose again to be saved, right? So this is not a grandfather thing. This is you were separated before Jesus, Verse two says, you were lost, you were of the world, you were going against the purpose of God. If you do not know Jesus, if you've not accepted Him into your heart, you are still separated, still lost, still of the world, and still going against the purpose of God. I'm making this really plain today. Verse three says, your physical desires and human nature ruled your life like everybody else, like everyone else, guess what? <laughs> if you do not know Jesus, your physical desires are ruling your heart, ruling your life. Verse four, probably one of the most quoted verses in the whole Christian world. But God, this is it. But God loved you anyway. All of that, one, two, and three. But God loved you anyway. Verse 5, you were separated and spiritually dead. You were separated, spiritually dead, spiritually blind. He made you alive by His grace and by His mercy. He saved you from judgment. He saved you from judgment. So, here we go again. If you do not know Christ, if you've not experienced heart change. You're separated. Spiritually dead, spiritually blind, and there's grace waiting on you. There's salvation waiting on you. Verse six: When you believe, underline that believe word. When you believe, He raises you up with Him because you are in Christ. Big word there: believe. Heart change. That e- believe equals heart change. Believe. I believe. You ever said that out loud? I believe. How long has it been since you said, I believe? Verse 7, he did this for you to show you his grace and kindness and to give you redemption. Man, come on. Thank you, Lord. Right? Verse 8, it is by grace that you are saved through faith. Through faith. Not your effort, but it is undeserved. It is a grace, gracious gift or a grace gift from God through faith, by grace, through faith. Verse nine. Let's drill this home. This is not because of something you did. This is not because of your works. This is not your attempt to keep the law. This is not your attempt to perform a task, uh, a ritual, a uh, depth in knowledge gaining a ribbon or some flair. This is not a result of your works or an attempt to keep the law, but only by God. For what? For what? It's verse 10, for you are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art made in his image, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used, use that sounds like work that's not it you're only used through the heart change God made you who you are to be a light where you are that's what it means to be used don't 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 even take it that way for good works to be used for good works yes <laughs> which God prepared for you God prepared for you beforehand taking paths which he set so that he would so that we would walk in them so that you would walk in them living in the good life which he prepared and made ready for us. It's all been laid out for us. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is not written for us as a plan B. This is not our plan B when we get weary, when we get tired, when we're exhausted. It's not another option. Ephesians 2 is not another option. This is the way. This is, Ephesians 2 is not a thing that we do or jump into when we're tired of doing it our way. Well, I'm just, I'm sick of this. I had a male guy tell me uh, just over a year ago, man, I'm I'm actually, it's so bad. I'm looking at going to church. Like that's not, that's not what Ephesians 2 is meant to be. This is not the other option. This is the, this is the way, right? And so, and the reality in this, and, and I sit in my seat. So it's really easy for me to ask this question, who in their right mind when you look at that, the inverse of, of Ephesians 2.10, who in their right mind would not want to live the good life that God has prepared for them? Who? We turn that down to live the good life that we strive and work and stress so hard for. When God said, I've prepared it all for you. I've prepared it all for you. So then you've got to get in the right frame of mind. And when you are stuck on the physical and the knowing, it's difficult because it causes you to slow down. And many of us see slowing down as a waste of time. Uh, I don't have time to slow down. You know how much stuff I have to do. And and that's where God lives. God lives in that area of your life when you say, I just can't do it. right, Not right now, but maybe this weekend. Maybe this weekend. And well, then I'm going to be so exhausted anyways that I'm just skipping church anyway. So it just is what it is, right? And so the CEV version, uh, contemporary English version of Ephesians 2.10 said this. God planned for us to do good things and to live how He has always wanted us to live. This is why He sent Christ to make us what we are. I love that version. So then, we do not know God by our physical senses. We do not know God by our knowledge. We do not know God by what we've accomplished. We do not know God by the status that we have attained. The position that we sit in, we do not know God by any of those things. We know God by the Spirit that lives in us once we receive and accept Jesus. We know God by our Spirit. Matthew 16, great example of this. Matthew 16, verse 15 through 17, Jesus is asking the disciples who they say he is, and a lot, they, they give back some random answers. And he says, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replies, Peter, you are blessed. You are blessed. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is what Jesus is saying in 2021 terms. You didn't get this from a book, Peter. You didn't get this. You don't know that answer by doing a job, Peter. You didn't get that answer, Peter, from completing a task. You didn't get that answer from talking to a man from updating your Instagram story. You didn't get that. You didn't get that information, Peter, from hearing it from a religious leader. You didn't get that information, Peter, because of your title. You got that information, Peter, because of your connection to God and your relationship with me. It was not something that you know, and it's not something that you did. So your action step today is this, very simple. Who do you say Jesus is? When's the last time you said, I believe? Who do you believe Jesus is? Second step. Is your faith, is your faith, you're saved by faith, right? By by grace, through faith. By grace, through faith. Is your faith your only contribution to salvation? Is your only contribution uh, to salvation your faith, is what I'm saying. What are you saying, Dusty? Belief. Is that it? Is your belief your only contribution to your salvation. Well, I believe. Remember, that's the first step to heart change. Belief. It's the first step. This is a life with Jesus, not a checkpoint. We go, yep, that was the time. What you need to do is go back to that time, remember what God did for you in that moment, and that will fuel your next step. That's how it always is. That's how it always is. And so then to take another step, we have to keep that connection spiritual connection. What's your relationship look like? Is faith your only contribution to salvation? So does that mean no relationship? You have to answer that question. Is faith your only contribution to salvation? This is the difference between knowledge of God and knowing God. You can reference Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 on this. And what I want you to see uh, very plainly, if you don't want to go, well, that's, that's 10 verses and I just can't even find the time for that. You focus on verse 8, 9, and 10. And verse 8 and 9 explain the purpose of why God saved you. And verse 10 shows you the purpose that God has for your life. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.